from 1011 Now and the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the End Report Podcast. Happy Husker football season. The 2020 campaign has arrived at long last. In the words of Adrian Martinez, finally. With Dan Corey and Brett Baker, I'm Kevin Suits. Brett's going to join the fun this year. Typically on the End Report podcast, he's in the booth kind of controlling us. And Brett, you've got such a wonderful voice. We're just going to put you on and help you uh, help us keep the train on the tracks. Because those who listen to the End Report podcast know that this thing can get a little bit misguided at times. Well, we're just going to uh, we're going to keep it tight. And, and sharp and, and on point and uh, give the listeners, you know, everything they need to know and maybe a little bit more. But uh, yeah, that's the whole goal is just to uh, keep this thing on the tracks. Brett, instead of screaming at us through our ear, now you just get a scream at us and everybody else can hear it. Well, as long as I get a scream at somebody, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so Brett will attempt to keep us, you know, within reason here. He'll uh, he'll guide the ship and toss out some questions and some topics. Dan and I will be here to ping pong some ideas back and forth. I believe that Bob Diaco did that once in a press conference and it was quite comical and uh, drink if you have one in front of you because we just referenced Bob <laughs> There should Diaco. be an end report bingo. Uh, Bob Diaco mentioned, mark that off. Evan, so if Bob Diaco not- did it, then it's highly recommended that you probably shouldn't do it. I'm digging the yeah. sweatshirt though. Thank you. We've got Herbie on the chest today because it is game week. Nebraska plays Ohio State to open the 2020 campaign. Uh, One of the big storylines here in the week leading up to Nebraska's first game is uh, the crazy offseason that occurred. We will spend some time discussing that. Uh, We'll also talk about the quarterback position and then the topics that Brett will throw our way. And uh, for those that are first time listeners to the In Report podcast, welcome. We will try to share as much knowledge and Uh, expertise, we say that with air quotes around it, uh, that we can about some of the various Nebraska football topics. It's in supplement to our coverage on 1011 News. And man, it is just good to be in the football season. We've been away. And the fun fact is we cannot take any credit for this. Maybe Dan will. But it's 330 days between Nebraska football games. The second longest drought without Husker football in school history Dan, do you know the other time in which it's been longer than 330 days? 1892. Well done. You read the game notes. (laughs) Or you just told me that earlier, and I just remembered it. Thanks for playing along. Brett, we toss it to you, and you can carry the baton on the first in-report podcast of the 2020 season. Well, you know, the last time we did this was early March, uh, and then we went on hiatus. And I think at the time, maybe we were thinking it would be a couple months uh, because we, we were like, well, there's not really any Husker stuff happening. Uh, and then it went longer than that. So maybe just a little quick refresher, get us up to speed on kind of what's happened in that time and, and how we got to where we are today with, uh, you know, now we're just days away from kickoff. Well, the Big Ten decided not to play football. And then they reconsidered following a crazy turn of events as I'm sure it's been pretty well documented and we probably don't need to spend too much time on how that happened. But Dan, I think the bigger discussion is as everyone waited to find out about Nebraska football and big 10 football uh, at large, because as everybody knows, big 10 was uh, one of the first to cancel. And then they were one of the last to join back in, in terms of the power five conferences. How did the players manage that time? It seemed like they just stayed the course But if I were in their shoes, 
I don't know that I could have as easily gone with the flow, so to say. Well, each program was different in the conference on, on how it felt towards playing a football season. And, and I thought that was interesting in itself. I, I think, um, you know, maybe Minnesota wasn't as adamant about playing a football season and, and PJ Fleck as well as Scott Frost and Ryan Day. And I would have loved to see that as a game one matchup, Nebraska, Minnesota. But uh, how we got here was crazy. I'm happy we're here. And I feel like every topic <laughs> that over the summer has just been talked about at nauseum. I'm, I'm excited to talk about depth charts. I'm excited to talk about the third string left tackle. I didn't think I would say that, but I'm Do ready to go. Do you know who go. the third string left tackle is? I could probably come up with him. Uh, Christian Gaylord. Or Brant Banks. I knew it. You could come through. Well done, Dan. Maybe. It might be Brant Banks. I don't know. But as Dan mentioned, you know, you said earlier that I guess the reality of football season finally arriving will occur for you, or you anticipated at least to, on Saturday when the pregame show is happening and you see the live pictures from inside the horseshoe. I've said all along throughout the offseason, with the skeptical eye, admittedly so, I'll believe it when I see it. And I started to believe a little bit more when we saw the games that started occurring in late August in college football. I started to believe a little bit more when SEC started to play with fans, no, no less, which I think is still a conversation in, in and of itself. I'll believe it when I see it when the ball actually goes off the tee at 11 a.m. Central Time on Saturday. Well, we've seen, uh, you know, games get canceled and, and postponed. And, you know, luckily Scott Frost was pretty open in talking about that on Monday where uh, it seems like he's pretty confident that Nebraska at least will do its part in showing up and, and having enough uh, healthy players to play. But, but as you said, believe it when we see it. And, you know, watching the NFL on Sunday, they've been running Nebraska-Ohio State promos left and right. And, uh, you'll see that during the World Series as well. And mainly it's a uh, promotion for Ohio State, but, you know, Nebraska does get mentioned. And, and so th that's kind of making it a little real for me. But, yeah, uh, the big noon kickoff will be live from the horseshoe. Uh, we'll see Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey warming up. Uh, and, and that's when it's going to really settle in for me that football is here and we made it. You know, Dan, the opposite of the skepticism that I have is Scott Frost's optimism. He admits that over the, the course of the summer months, he was wondering if they were fighting a losing battle. And he admitted that during his press conference on Monday. But then also in that same interview, he mentioned toward the tail end that he feels like Nebraska is going to be safe from a COVID-19 protocol standpoint, that it's become so commonplace with this team and that they have done everything possible. And they've played by the rules that even though Jeff Brom is not going to coach Purdue this week and that Nick Saban tested positive one week ago, I think Scott Frost, some might chalk it up to having sports blinders on. I think in Scott Frost's heart that he truly believes his team, I'm not saying he thinks his team is immune to COVID-19, but he feels so confident in everything that has happened inside the walls at Memorial Stadium and with all the other things that his players have been uh, operating in and activities that they are a part of, including their schooling, that they are in a good spot and that COVID 
will not cancel their season. Well, they've been at this for months now, and Nebraska was on top of it right away. I mean, we saw a story with Dave Ellis, the nutritionist uh, for the football team, and and right away there in March or April, they were um, giving their football players to to go lunches and dinners, meals. Um, so that shows you just how on top of things they were. And, and Scott said something uh, that I thought was interesting. And I think it's so true. He said, you know, if, if you're going to find ways to cancel a game or a season, you can find them. But if your mindset is to find ways to play and uh, play a season and play a game, you can find that too. So it's just kind of where you are mentally with this. I think one of the things that I think is interesting is a lot of talk uh, early on was about uh, the, the schedule and like, oh, they drew Ohio State first. I actually see that as a good thing. Uh, in looking at some of the early games, the, the seasons, you know, the teams that kicked off, I think the chance if you're going to take a swing at them and you're going to connect early is probably better than later because there's a lot of things going, I think, in Nebraska's favor. One, the anticipation and the hype on this team is not nearly as great as it has been in the two previous seasons. The focus has been on something completely different, and I think that helps them. They're not going out there with that, that kind of weight and that expectation on their shoulder. Do you see this as a chance, you know, a good chance for them to, you know, if not take them down, take a, take a good poke at them on Saturday? The reward outweighs the risk, in my opinion. You're going to play Ohio State at some point during the season. And I may eat crow for saying this, guys, but I really believe that having some national exposure while your record is zero and zero is a good thing. In the event that Nebraska is competitive against Ohio State, which I think is possible, in part because who knows what Nebraska has been working on over the offseason, and they can throw it out the best team on their schedule without any of this being on tape. And also the fact that Nebraska, the last time they went to the horseshoe, they played Ohio State very close. In fact, I believe it's one of the tightest games that they have played at home during the regular season over the past several years. That was a game Ohio State barely won. And Nebraska almost had a landmark win under Scott Frost in 2018. So if they are able to duplicate that, even if they lose, I feel like there is much to gain because it is the first week for Ohio State. It is the first week for Big Ten football, and a lot of eyeballs will be on that game. So I, I, I erred on, on the side of optimism right here that Nebraska can maybe play them close, and it can do uh, some pretty positive things from a national perspective on Nebraska football at, on Saturday. Or it could go the other way. Ohio State's really good, and – I was listening to a press conference with Ryan Day after their first uh, practice when they came back, and he said that that was the best practice he's ever seen um, for as far as an energy standpoint. So uh, I, I feel confident in Nebraska's ability to move the ball on Ohio State. Let's hope that their red zone offense is a little better than last year. Um, and, and by going the other way, how many times are we going to hear on Saturday in that pregame show the old, well, Nebraska, you wanted football, you got it, and then everybody kind of laughs. And if Nebraska gets blown out, I mean, the line for this game is like 26 right now. It's a big number. <laughs> and, uh, and if that comes to fruition, then a lot of people – uh, fan bases across the country will be laughing at Nebraska, but 
Kevin, as you pointed out, Nebraska has an opportunity to uh, say we've come a, come a little bit as, as far as a program, and, and I am excited to see the offense, and I think Nebraska can move the ball against Ohio State, especially uh, with those scripted plays that Nebraska will have early on. We saw that last year. Nebraska was able to move the ball, just turn the ball over uh, once it got close to the red zone. But, Dan, that point of Nebraska, you wanted football, and you got it. Here you go. You know, that's going to happen no matter where they play Ohio State within the season. They were going to be on the schedule. That was a crossover game. So what's the difference between playing them in week one as opposed to week six? Well, if you play them in week six, you might just be, you know, the BTN throwaway 230 game. Instead, you get the national spotlight where you will get lead up communication. You will get lead up um, publicity out of this. And I think that's a good thing. Granted, the game might go completely awry. But I think if you look at the percentages and the probability, you might as well take it on week one. And then you can learn from this game playing against the best team in, in the conference because in week two, you play the second best team in the conference. So you might as well get this game done out of the way right now and try to reap the benefits of playing almighty Ohio State on October 24th. Well, I've said ever since this schedule came out that this is a standalone game, meaning uh, what I mean by that is whatever happens, it will not impact the rest of the season um, if Nebraska were to lose big. I, I could see Nebraska losing big and, and turning around and beating Wisconsin. And, um, you know, a lot of those games on, on their schedule would be 50-50 or at least 55-45. Um, but we'll see. I mean, uh, Everything the players and coaches have been saying leading up to this game, I'm uh, I, I like what I'm hearing. Uh, there had you know even uh, Frost saying you know we were in the game last year for about five minutes. Uh, I thought that was pretty good, but I, I do like the mindset of this team going into the game. Brett, I feel like we need a dinger here so we don't get too long winded here, so you can keep us rolling along. Maybe a little PTI ish dinger. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's move on to this then. Plot lines for this game. Much has been talked about the battle between Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey. One battle that none of us have been able to see because none of us have been allowed inside a practice session. How long is the leash going to be or the rope going to be for, for Mr. Martinez, who's looking to look more like his freshman version than his sophomore version in his junior season? It'll be interesting to see if they have scripted plays or packages for Luke McCaffrey, I believe they probably will. Um, whether that's the first drive of the game or the third drive of the game, I, I don't know. But uh, from what the coaches have been saying and players as well, this is this was a neck and neck competition. And, and uh, you know, Frost even said that if if it was Luke that had the experience instead of Adrian, Luke would probably get the nod at quarterback. I thought that was really interesting, Kevin. I feel like the cloud is just going to hover over the quarterback room until somebody really separates. And that might happen in week four. It could happen in week eight, honestly. Uh, but I feel like this storyline is not going away. To answer your question, Brett, how long is the leash? It ain't long, especially if Luke McCaffrey is almost equal with Adrian Martinez. And as Scott Frost said on Monday, he has two first-string quarterbacks. If Martinez on the first drive throws an interception or turns the football over, does the change happen that immediate? I don't know that it does. 
And here's why. It's because Adrian is a team captain. Benching your team captain can have internal ramifications. And I don't know that that is a road that Scott Frost wants to go down immediately. So there is a little bit of an extension of a leash, but I think that the leash is still short because he knows McCaffrey is so talented. And well, Scott's been in this position himself at this school under that spotlight too. So he knows what that's like. And, and he, of course, you know, in 96, you know, famously struggled, struggled uh, early on in the season. And there were a lot of clamors, you know, for, for Frankie London. So he knows, I think, what that's like. And I think he knows from, you know, the starter's perspective, look, I need more reps. We, we got to keep going. I, I can't just be done with this. Yeah, I know. And the problem is, is Ohio State's a really good team. So, I mean, if your offense comes out and scores 21 points throughout the entire game, is that necessarily a a bad performance against Ohio State? It probably is, but it doesn't mean you're a terrible quarterback or anything like that. Dan, I've said this on the news a couple of times here in our coverage leading up to the, the Ohio State game. Don't be surprised to see both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. And I truly mean that, in part because this isn't a five-day prep for Ohio State. This is a five-month prep for Ohio State. The fact that they have had an extended period of time to get creative, because you know what coaches like to do, especially an offensive coordinator, likes to design plays, likes to watch NFL games and maybe take ideas from this coach or that coach. In fact, uh, fact, Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, used a play from, I believe, 1968, two years ago. And it was a game-winning touchdown. And it was such an odd formation. And it was such an odd concept. Afterwards, everybody said, where did that come from? You know, whose brainchild was it? And if you turn the clock all the way back, it's an idea he stole from, I believe, the Green Bay Packers in the 60s. So I think Scott Frost, in his quiet place in his room, or in his house, He's probably sketching something or scheming something, knowing what his personnel does. That's what a good coach would do. Where are my top playmakers? Where are my strengths? What can I do to utilize those? And so I think that there is a legitimate possibility. McCaffrey and Martinez are on the field at the same time. It could happen frequently. It may even happen on the first play. Yeah, I I think you're probably right. And and remember last year's game against Ohio State, there was a few drives in there where they went into the I formation Uh, and everybody was that caught Ohio State off guard. And I think the fan base was caught off guard. Uh, We saw McCaffrey throw a touchdown pass against Iowa to J.D. Spielman. We saw McCaffrey at wide receiver against Maryland this coaching staff is adamant about getting Luke McCaffrey onto the field. So you're right. If Adrian's taking snaps at quarterback, uh, expect to see Luke McCaffrey on the field at another position. They really kind of, um, they want him to play quarterback, but remember last year, they were just so adamant that he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. Now it's kind of loosened the belt a little bit to, we got to get this guy on the field. We've talked a little bit about the unknowns and what we think might happen. We'll do out some of the knowns. Uh, today, I know there's a lot of talk about Diedrich Mills. Um, so you have some starters that, you know, we know who they are, what their roles are going to be. What are, who are you guys expecting to see? And, and maybe give me, you know, a standout, you know, performer projection. Well, I think with Nebraska's offensive line, Brett, I think that when you speak of knowns, 
They return all five starters along the offensive line. In fact, they had to move a few positions along the line just to create more opportunity for other people to get on the field. I think Farniak moving to guard is a brilliant move. I think that we are going to see, you know, five guys. And Farniak even said earlier this week that they are giving the quarterbacks more time to run the offense. I don't think that we can gloss over that statement. That's something that has plagued Adrian over the course of his career. You know, he's had injury, and in part, it's because he's had to scramble and run for his life. I think the fact that Adrian Martinez is going to have more time to throw, or Luke McCaffrey, but he is guarded by a stronger, more experienced offensive line, and it starts with Cam Jurgens. I think he is going to, going to be drastically better as a sophomore than he was as a redshirt freshman. I love this offensive line, and, and that's where I go to first, Kevin. You you uh, spoke about Cam Jurgens, and and he's going to be much better snapping the ball. Uh, come on, like he came in as a as a redshirt freshman who played tight end in high school. He was injured in fall camp uh, when Scott Frost announced that he was going to be the starter over Will Farniak in fall camp. I, I couldn't believe it because he had hardly practiced at all. It just goes to show you how highly – Frost and Greg Austin, the offensive uh, line coach and run game coordinator, think of him. Bryce Benhard, uh, you know, they feel confident enough in him. He's huge. Uh, he's the reason why they can move Farniak to guard. Farniak was a, a tackle last year. Benhard slides into that tackle spot. And, and of course, Brendan Hymas, who can be an all-conference all type player. And, and when you have a good offensive line, as we talked about, Kevin, you, you can run the ball. Not only can you uh, protect the quarterback, but you can run the ball. And, and uh, Diedrich Mills, we heard from him on Tuesday. He's so excited to be the bell cow and, and talk about a guy that's just hungry. Uh, he went to Georgia Tech. Things didn't work out there. Went to a junior college. I remember he was telling me last year that these places didn't even have locker rooms. They were, you would have to change outside basically. Um, and so he's so grateful to be here at Nebraska. He's you know, the more he talks to the fan base and the more he's going to prove himself on the field. I think Husker nation is just going to fall in love with him. They do get uh, rather thin in a hurry at running back, uh, but you can slide Wandale over, put him in motion. Uh, and then the quarterback run game. I just really like, uh, this team's ability to run the football. And I think it, it will at Ohio State. I think Nebraska will be able to run the ball on Ohio State. So, Dan, who's your proven player to answer Brett's question? Are you going with the O-line? You're going with Diedrich Mills. Well, uh, sorry, not to get long-winded here. I'll, I'll go with another position group, and that's the defensive back room. Uh, I love the starters uh, in, in the secondary. DiCaprio Boodle, who's a captain. Deontay Williams who I can't wait to see play football. I mean, he is, he is mean. He's a mean, mean guy on the football field. He's, he's quiet off of the football field, but he plays with aggression on it. And then you got the cornerbacks uh, in which I really like Cam Taylor Britt, um, DiCaprio Boodle. And then of course, Markel Dismuke, the other safety who said he played much of last year hurt. Dan just shouted about like 11 different Nebraska football players. They're all, <laughs> I, I just gave you two right. position groups, you know, the, the O line, Diedrich Mills, DiCaprio. It's the first part of the season. We'll, we'll get it ironed out. Good rusty. call on Deontay Williams, though. He is, he's a stud. People only got to see him for one game because he had a season ending injury against South Alabama. Uh, that's a good call, Dan. 
What about, uh, I think probably the, um, not unsung, but probably the darling of fall camp, Cade Warner. A lot of talk about him, obviously just from a leadership standpoint. How important is that going to be for these guys going forward to have somebody like that grabbing the reins and saying, okay, here's how we do it. Can you believe this? Cade Warner wasn't on scholarship until just a few weeks ago, and he was named the team captain. He has not played a game as a scholarship college football player, yet he was named a team captain. I find that incredible. And that speaks to his leadership, Brett, as you just said. And one of the great stories from the interviews that we've done so far uh, during the fall camp was Austin Allen, who is Cade Warner's roommate, saying how Cade started inviting some of the young wide receivers over to their, impar- over to their apartment. And he wanted to watch Monday night football and Thursday night football with them. And Cade gets out the whiteboard and they start drawing up defensive coverages in routes and they start studying the game. That's leadership right there, Brett. It, it's tough to say, well, that's the son of a hall of famer, but clearly he's paid attention to his dad. And I'm sure they have had those kinds of talks where he has got just a, a level or access to the kind of knowledge that most of these young guys aren't going to get until later on in their careers if they continue to play. And that shows on the football field because Adrian Martinez feels so confident passing to him. We saw that two years ago uh, when Purdue was here in Lincoln. And it's just like, who is this guy? You know, it's Cape Warner. Uh, and, and what a good get by Nebraska, not only to have him walk on, but now he's a, a scholarship uh, player and a captain as well. So just a, a fantastic story. And uh, we hear it from the coaching staff all the time that they want football guys on their team. They want competitors and, and just uh, good people. And, and uh, Cade Warner, my goodness, what a great place to start. Do you guys remember when Nebraska had all the A-list football families, like a part of the Husker football program, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Les Miles' son. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody else out in this discussion. But here it is, Cade Warner, not only the one who lasts the longest and sticks through all of this, but he is rewarded in a mighty way by being named a team captain and receiving a scholarship. And Kevin, we're not surprised at all by this. Uh, we did a story, the Super Bowl was here on 10-11. We got a chance to sit down with, with Cade and, and really just talk to him behind the scenes. And uh, we've been rooting for him since ever since then. I mean, he's just a, a great, great kid. And the mustache. And the mustache. Are you a fan, Kevin? I love it. And I better not shave that thing. He said that it was, he thought it was funny. And he was going to shave it after the first game. But I think that once he stepped in front of that camera and everybody but I got to see that facial hair gloriousness, everybody's saying, don't do it. Yeah, but the one person who's saying, do do it, is moms. <laughs> so who's going who's gonna to win that battle? And dad kind of ribbed them a little bit about it, too. All right, we got a couple of minutes left. Final thoughts, predictions. Let me know what you think heading into Saturday. What's going to happen? I'm going to say Nebraska keeps it close for three quarters. I think Ohio State, uh, as Ryan Day at one point put it, this is a once-in-a-lifetime team. Uh, But I do think just because of the weird nature of what this game is going to look like and how we've seen a lot of college football games right now, it's not the cleanest of football. And that may favor Nebraska. So I'll take the Buckeyes winning it 40-30. to I think there's going to be quite a a few points scored. I think Nebraska is going to be in the game at halftime. They'll hang in there but I think the Buckeyes will be too much in the end. 
Yeah, I can I can see Nebraska scoring on Ohio State, especially early on. Uh, I think Nebraska can probably get to 28, uh, maybe even 31, 35. It, it, it's just going to be interesting to see if Nebraska can stop Ohio State. And uh, I, I really like the secondary, as I said, for Nebraska. I, I do have a concern with the pass rush, um, uh, especially at one outside linebacker spot. You look at the defensive line, it seems like the coaches like that group. I, I'm worried about them getting pressure on Justin Fields. If, if Nebraska can stay in it, I, I think that's a, a good day. We'll see what happens. I, I guess I, I do uh, agree that if you can get them at any time, maybe now is the case, especially working in a new defensive coordinator. Dan, it's going to be a good day no matter what happens because it's going to be a Husker football game day, and we were never certain that it was going to happen or not. And here just a few days out from the 2020 Nebraska football season through everything that's occurred, I'm just really happy for the coaching staff, for the administration at the University of Nebraska, and for most importantly, the players. You know, there was so much that they had to navigate over these past months. And as long as they feel like this can happen safely and keep everybody healthy, uh, I, I think it's a good thing because it's something that they've wanted and they were very bold in their outspoken nature of playing football this fall. And the fact that Nebraska is going to get to do it, I think that's a great thing. And with that, let's put a bow on it. Thanks for listening to the In Report podcast. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Join 1011 for all your coverage online and on air. For Dan and Brett, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the In Report podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now Weather app. Download the 1011 Now Weather app for free today.